Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Multipod. My name is Vanessa, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. I started a new podcast project with my friend Renat called That's the Ticket. It's a podcast about travel, and we've been planning it for a few months and even recorded a couple of episodes, and then COVID-19 hit. So we decided to launch earlier than we planned and talk about the pandemic. Our first few episodes are focused on COVID-19 and have been released, and we're hoping to bring people together through our podcast to foster a sense of global community and to remind us all that we are in this together. So this episode is a bonus multipod episode and crossover with That's the Ticket. What follows is the first episode of That's the Ticket, where you will hear stories of people experiencing this pandemic around the world. When it comes to COVID-19, the news changes so fast, so some of the information you will hear may be a bit outdated, but it's still very interesting nonetheless. And we'd love for you to check out the podcast and subscribe to it. We will put a link to the podcast in the show notes, as well as links to our social media. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome to That's the Ticket, a travel podcast for people with itchy feet. My name is Renat. And my name is Vanessa. This podcast is all about practical tips and meaningful conversations. We cover lots of topics, including but not limited to planning and social travel, getting the most out of your trips and communicating, travel tips, and more. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining us. us. Hello everyone, welcome to That's the Ticket. During normal times, a travel podcast for people with itchy feet. My name is Renat. And my name is Vanessa. And we've been working on launching That's the Ticket for a while now, scheduling interviews with interesting guests and planning episodes that were going to be all about travel. And we even already recorded two episodes that we haven't released yet. We were planning to put it out there in the spring around now, But just like everywhere else in the world right now, because of a microscopic threat called COVID-19, that plan has changed for now. It doesn't really seem like the right time to talk about travel. Yeah, airports around the world have very limited flights, and some are even closed, and a lot of people around the world are instructed to not even leave their houses. So things have changed extremely fast for people in their homes, in their workplaces, basically their daily lives. And we thought we would be remiss if we didn't talk about COVID-19. I agree. We actually thought that it would be really interesting for people everywhere to hear other people from different countries talking about how it is like to be in their locations during these crazy times. So we decided just two days ago to ask people to send us their recordings from where they are And tell us about how is it like to be there. Yeah, and we got some really great recordings overnight while we were asleep. And in the other parts of the world, they were awake. Uh, so we woke up to some great recordings. And you're going to hear stories that are maybe a little unsettling. But I think you're also going to hear some stories of hope. Because we're not just focusing on the panic. We're trying to also provide examples of some positives. So right now, we have stories from Italy, Australia, Finland, Germany, Canada, and the U.S. So first of all, thank you very much to all of you who were willing to take part in this, 
in such a short notice. Yeah, thank you very much. We really appreciate your time during these crazy times. So uh, we also kind of hope that by talking here with people from different places around the world, we will be able to help create a sense of global community. It seems to us that the world is now connected more than ever. We haven't really had something like this happen in our lifetimes. The only thing that I can think of is 9-11. And it actually wasn't even that similar in many ways. But either way, um, we're all in this together. And at this point, no continent has been untouched by this virus. Actually, there are places, maybe not continents, that are still untouched. We are actually going to talk with Anders, who lives on the island islands in Finland, where at least at the point in time where he sent us the recording, there were no confirmed cases of corona. That is true, yeah. So at the time we're recording this, which is March 19th at 4.26 p.m., there have been 242,191 confirmed cases of coronavirus or COVID-19 across the globe. And that's probably a conservative estimate. The number keeps climbing, it seems, every hour. There have been 9,843 deaths and, good news, 84,962 recoveries around the world. Uh, This is according to Johns Hopkins University. Luckily, none of our friends or close family have been diagnosed with the coronavirus. But we think that we all can agree that this is a very weird time to be alive. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move to the part where we ask people what is it like for them around the world right now. Hmm. To start, this is what they said about the atmosphere in their locations. My name is Erica Sullivan, and I am a second language English teacher working in an international school in Milan, Italy. I am 29 years old, and it is March 19th. So living in Italy at this moment in time has been uh, very unique and unlike anything I would have ever expected when I moved here two years ago. Basically, at this point, uh, they've banned international travel uh, and people are issued to be staying at home. The uh, the quarantine process itself has made uh, a lot of people quite anxious in this process, but it is understood now that it's important to be doing so. In, within my own groups of friends and colleagues that are here in Italy, the, the atmosphere is very diverse in the feelings towards the quarantine period. There's definitely people that don't have uh, as much access to others, and therefore there's a sense of loneliness, a little bit of boredom, helplessness. And um, at this point, I also have some friends uh, experiencing uh, some grief within this time as We do know some people that are sick during this process. So being surrounded and having it in such close quarters is quite difficult. Um, also working as an international teacher, not having access to being close to friend, uh, family from Canada, just that distance itself is quite difficult to uh, gauge and deal with. But we're doing the most that we can, uh, enjoying our slow-paced Italian lifestyle, uh, continuing with hobbies, staying connected, sending each other, just making each other laugh and with messages and whatnot and continuing to watch some good Netflix during this time. It has just kind of kept ourselves with a sense of normalcy, uh, which is definitely really important also to, in order to stay positive, not just for ourselves, but for our students. My name is Anders Gustafsson. I 
work as an electronic engineer doing software development on the Orland Islands. Today is March 18th, 2020, and uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my day and life here today. The Orland Islands is a semi-autonomous region in Finland. We're located in the Baltic at roughly 60 north, 20 east. It's a group of islands, so we're rather dependent on boats and airplanes. As of today, we have no confirmed cases of corona, but it's very unlikely that we will not have cases during the coming months. Being here right now is strange. It's strange and uncertain. Like Canada, we have universal health care, so no one here is, who's feeling sick should be forced to go to work. That should limit the spread considerably. Hi, I'm Katja. I'm 35 years old and I'm currently staying at my father's house in a rural part of northern Germany. Today's the 18th of March and it's currently about 9pm. I was supposed to be on a cruise ship actually right now, but this was cancelled last Thursday due to the virus. I usually work as a commercial manager for a large energy company which is located in a large city in western Germany. However, since we have all been ordered to work from home since last Friday, I thought it would be a bit safer and more comfortable in the countryside. Most shops have been closed by now, and cafes and restaurants only do takeout right now, but we are still allowed to move freely, which helps a lot. We're trying to avoid shopping right now, as there are too many crazy people around fighting over pasta and toilet paper, so no thank you. I'm Julie. I'm 30. I am a data scientist and I live in Brooklyn, New York, and it is March 18th around 8.30 p.m. So I live in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which is in the southwest corner of Brooklyn, and it's definitely a more residential area as opposed to a touristy area. So my experience in Bay Ridge is probably not the same as someone in, say, downtown Brooklyn or midtown Manhattan, where they get a lot of traffic from tourists. Um, but from my perspective, where I've been, you know, there's obviously the impact of all of the, you know, ordinances and changes and, you know, cancellation of large gatherings and reducing of restaurants and bars to delivery and takeout. But other than that, you know, our supermarkets have been relatively well stocked and I haven't seen, you know, a lot of scarcity or a lot of panic in my little corner of Brooklyn. It's interesting because I think it kind of feels like the sense of the calm before the storm. Like the situation has been really rapidly changing. I went from uh, everything being kind of business as usual to working from home, large gatherings being canceled, um, restaurants and bars uh, being only able to serve takeout all pretty much within the span of a week. But that being said, uh, like when I'm around my neighborhood, like to go for a walker to the grocery store, I still, it doesn't seem like the amount of activity is like really drastically decreased. I just see like little things like people wearing masks or uh, a lot of people talking about what's going on and also, you know, restaurants having no tables, things like that. You know, when I go about the neighborhood, like going to the grocery store or on a walk, I hear a lot of people talking, see people wearing masks. So I think there's a fair sense of unease. I'm here with my father, Dr. Alan Shackelford, who is um, streaming over the internet with me because <laughs> he's in Colorado and I'm here in Edmonton, Canada. 
And so why don't we start with you telling our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> Um, thanks thanks a lot (laughs) just kidding it's fine okay well i I am a physician and uh i am seeing patients um, pretty much every day in several different kinds of settings one of the settings is an acute care type um, facility and the other is one is my own practice we've We've been experiencing COVID-19 and the coronavirus for probably 10 days in Colorado. And it's, it started off in a, in a sort of uh, low-key way. Uh, yeah, there might be a couple of cases, but uh, it's not anything too serious. And of course, as the number of cases has risen, then it's become more into people's cognition. They they become much more aware of it. And then it it began to snowball a bit. So uh, we saw reports of long lines at at large stores like Costco. And that was a little weird. And then I went into a Costco and they didn't have any paper towel or toilet paper. Everything else was there, but no paper towel, no toilet paper. That was a little strange. Then they canned goods started to to disappear from the shelves. And there was this underlying sense almost of panic. It's not 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 overt, but long lines and and things disappearing off of shelves. And then I think the the it really started to come home when the governor of the state yesterday ordered, actually, I think it was on Saturday that he ordered all the ski resorts to close for a week, but at least a week. And then school districts started to close all the schools and no school. And then yesterday, the governor ordered restaurants and bars to close. So now, now it took on a different dimension and became very, very serious. It's very strange to drive in the Denver area. Normally, there's a lot of traffic. A lot of people have moved to this area and uh, in the last year or two. And the traffic is way down, way down at all hours of the day. And um, that's strange. Hi, this is Melissa Gross. I am 50 years old and I am in Newcastle, Australia, in the state of New South Wales. The time right now is 7.18 p.m. and the date is the 18th of March. There's a little bit of panic. Um, the toilet paper thing happened. The, the food thing happened where people are stocking up and shelves are empty a lot of people are going out and not changing their plans. And a lot of people are talking about going out and not changing their plans. Um, But overall, I think people are focusing on small group activities and a lot of the big activities are being canceled. So Renat, we are in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. What is your overall impression of the atmosphere here? Well, lots of people are staying at home. 
but I think lots of people are still going out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel there is uh, any sense of panic. Mm. Gil, my husband, had to go to the grocery store right when it opened in the morning to get toilet paper. Yeah, so my husband and I had to go 25 minutes outside the city to Costco to find food, and we still didn't get toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a worldwide crisis. I know, seriously. And so we've also been told to practice social distancing, staying at least a meter away from other people. And the staff, when we went to Costco, were actually telling people this when they got too close to each other. It was pretty funny. Um, But people are still going out for walks in my neighborhood. Actually, I think I see more people taking walks now than I have in quite a while because I take my dog out Mm -hmm. a lot, right? Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. So it seems like most people around the world are in the same situation. There are some differences, of course. Um, Like some mentioned there's panic in grocery stores, while others said the grocery stores are calm. Um, Some said the streets are quiet. Others said that people are taking lots of walks. Um, and we also have another clip of Julie in Brooklyn, New York, who said something really interesting about where she lives versus where her parents live. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And it also reminds me of how different it is from being here and how different it is from my parents in Israel. So let's hear what Julie has to say. I think it's also interesting because, you know, I live in New York City. My family is from upstate New York and Binghamton, New York. And honestly, uh, the situation there is a lot more um, out of control, relatively speaking, than it is in New York City. So where my where my family lives, uh, you, the grocery stores are completely wiped out of like pantry staples and, and toiletries and paper products and water. Uh, versus I haven't really had any problem in New York City getting those things. Uh, I think it could have something to do with the fact that in New York City, there's a supermarket of some kind or like a bodega every couple of blocks. So, you know, anywhere in the city where we are. So we're in uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which is kind of like very southwest of Brooklyn. If If I couldn't find something at one grocery store, I would probably just walk a block or two to another one to look for it. So I don't know if like the density of smaller stores stops things from like completely going out of stock or maybe New Yorkers are just, you know, not as likely to kind of, you know, freak out in the face of a crisis. I live in a major city, uh, albeit in like a kind of peripheral part of the city versus my family is from Binghamton and that's um, a much less populous area. And what's interesting is that they've kind of been experiencing a lot more kind of dramatic kind of, you know, going to the grocery store and not being able to get like anything and shelves being wiped out and people being, you know, generally uh, panicked. So I, I kind of like thought that like New York City would be bedlam by comparison to uh, upstate New York, but in reality, it's actually been kind of reversed for my experience versus my family's experience. Uh, I'm not sure how different it is for people that are, say, you know, in downtown or midtown Manhattan or in downtown Brooklyn. But for me, it's been like almost unnervingly calm. It sounds like some places are calmer than others. Yeah, Julia's situation with her family being far away sounds really similar to mine. I know your family is really far away too, Renat, but mm-hmm, yeah. 
My father, who you already heard a clip of, lives south of Denver in Colorado in the U.S., but my mother lives half an hour up a mountain in Colorado, and she lives in a little town of about 300 people, and it's called Gold Hill, and I've been a little worried about her because she's in her 70s, but she told me that her neighbors are willing to get help get her supplies if needed, so that makes me feel a little better knowing she has some people looking out for her. Also, my nephew works at Costco and has a car, so he can help her out as well if if it comes to it. I've been talking to my parents a lot on the phone lately to check in with them, and um, my dad is a doctor, and I worry about him being in close contact with patients, but he says they're taking lots of precautions, and he's taking it seriously, but doesn't seem worried, so I'm trying to take that stance too. <laughs> Mm. It sounds nice that your mom gets help from your neighbors and from your nephew. Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for me, it's really weird being here in Canada while my friends and family are in Israel. And I can't really experience how is it like to actually be there. Mm. But I definitely think from what I talk with my friends and family, that there is a difference between how it is to be in the two places. Mm-hmm. Here people are more calm, while in Israel it seems that there is more stress and maybe a bit of a panic. Mm. And I'm sure the media don't make things less stressful. There are also people in Israel that are pretty chilled about it. And I heard that when people had to stop going to work, it was a very nice day outside and everyone went out to the parks and to the shopping malls and... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like everyone were out on the streets and in public places. And that's when they they were given instructions not to go out at all. Besides, of course, for essential things like food and pharmacy and so on. But I think they are increasing the enforcement on that every day. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's hard to be far away from your family and not really know 100% what's happening, right? Right, yeah, because you, there is the information that you get. You have the interface with your family and what you know from what they tell you, yeah. but it's not like actually being there. Exactly. Yeah, totally. I'm having the same experience. Uh-huh, yeah. So speaking of panic and being anxious about the situation, we know that's the case all around the world. And our friends also let us know what they're worrying about. We asked if they were worried about their kids, if they have them. Uh, Not all of them do have kids, so some of their thoughts are just general worries, but they might sound familiar to you. So let's hear what Anders, Katya, and Melissa have to say. Yeah, let's play the clip. We as a region, it's very independent on trade and tourism. So the fact that almost all ferry companies have reduced drastically will affect us directly. Less tourists mean less income for the region and less ferries means logistic problems getting supplies in. I have a daughter. This whole shebang affects her directly as she is in a final year before going to university and they push back the exams for the matriculation exam one week. She is taking her final exam tomorrow instead of a week from now, which means she had to skip some good books she had planned to read. From what I can see, are young people generally not at risk from corona, but as a parent, you do worry all the time. 
What worries me most is that no one can really say when most or all of this will actually be over. Right now it seems like I will be working from home at least until end of April. A friend of mine wants to get married in early May and they do not know what to do about their wedding right now. I'm also worried about a friend of mine who has been traveling with her family for a few months now and they might have issues coming back home because flights are cancelled and there are some issues with people getting back to Germany. As a caregiver for both of my parents who are both 77 years old, I am particularly concerned about them and we have canceled travel plans. We were supposed to fly a couple of days ago. We canceled the plans and um, we were supposed to go on a cruise in a couple of weeks. That got canceled. And I really just want everybody to stay safe. So I think everybody should keep the social distancing for now and wait a week or two and see what happens. Yes, these are worries that I think a lot of people around the world share. Mm -hmm. um, so Vanessa, your dad is a medical doctor in Colorado, right? Yes. So what does he have to say about the situation? So he's not really on the front lines of the pandemic, but he is a practicing doctor and he gives some insight into what the atmosphere is like where he lives and his opinions on how the U.S. government is handling things and some other interesting medical information about coronavirus that would probably be valuable for our listeners to know. So here's a clip of that. Yeah, that would be really interesting to hear. Yeah, for sure. Now, the underlying this is... Trump lying, just blatantly lying. And I know he's lying because he said there were hundreds of thousands and ultimately soon millions of test um, kits for testing that are going to be available. And there aren't any. We don't have any. We cannot test anyone. He has built himself as the smartest person on the planet. And what he did a couple of years ago, I don't know exactly when, was cut the budget of the Centers for Disease Control and fire all the people who knew how to handle a pandemic because they had to pay them and you can't do that. Um, it's a complete joke. And that's my, that's, that's my observation as a physician in the trenches seeing patients. There's not going to be any testing. Well, I think one of Melissa's kids in Poland mentioned not enough tests either. Do we want to play that? Yeah, let's listen to that one. Adam is a, in the National Guard, New Mexico National Guard, and he is currently deployed in Poland. So he is over there taking care of medical people. And we've had a couple conversations about covid um, and how it's affecting their base and how they don't have tests, but they do have quarantine facilities and things like that. So some of this information is kind of unsettling, especially the fact that some countries don't have enough tests, which means that the number of corona cases we see online is lower than the actual numbers. There is a lot of panic around the world right now, but there are some positive things we can focus on too. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff happening here in Edmonton, actually. Um, there are groups that are coming together to support each other um, online, especially like on Facebook. People are volunteering to pick up supplies and groceries for the more vulnerable populations, like people who are immunocompromised and get sick easily or the elderly. And 
you know, they're limiting access to a lot of venues here in Edmonton, just like everywhere else. But places like homeless shelters and soup kitchens are still open. So that's really good. Yeah, that's good. So from what our friends said in their recordings, it sounds like there are efforts around the world to help each other out. Uh, Erica, Melissa, your dad, mm-hmm. Anders and Katya all had things to say about this. In smaller places, uh, smaller towns, that may well be true, and, and particularly those that are more isolated, like in Gold Hill, uh, I've read about it. There's a group called Neighborhood, and, and people will write and say, hey, I'm going down to Boulder, or I'm going to Denver, and if you need anything, let me know, I can pick it up for you. My oldest, Holly, is in Washington, Seattle, Washington. And it's kind of interesting because she actually is spending time working philanthropically, trying to help people get errands done or help people with rides or help dispense um, the portable bidets or handheld bidets or something, water bottle bidets. I don't know what they're called. But anyway, I guess because of the toilet paper shortage. I'm a librarian, and I'm not working right now. I'm actually working as a carer for my parents. However, in light of what's been going on with COVID-19 around the world, I decided to start a website um, bringing together library resources around the world and what's going on in libraries in response to COVID-19. When I go out into town, I see it's a lot quieter. Those who can work from home do so. At the same time, people have been very helpful in arranging shopping for the elderly, etc. Uh, we're sharing each other that if there's anything we need to just call and we'll find a way to help each other out. Worst case, we'll just put food or flour, whatever they need, in front of their door and that's it. You know, people are trying to keep that smile going. Right now here in Italy, there's a, a trend going on that at six o'clock at night, people are to go out to their balconies or doorways and blast any kind of music that they possibly can. And it kind of brings this beautiful sound that at six o'clock I go outside and you hear the music and despite not being able to be physically connected to one another the the sound of it really brings everyone a little more comfort and closeness to one another during this time. So as we can see every situation has a silver lining and we asked our friends and your dad mm-hmm. if they see anything positive coming out of this. And I think all of our guests had beautiful things to say about the silver lining here. Uh, but at least there's something positive. Um, so many people are calling right now and they're messaging and asking how we're doing. And I get to spend a lot of quality time with my family right now. So I'm, since I'm staying with my father and my sisters also here, I really can't remember the last time I had home-cooked meals every night of the week. So that's a big plus. Uh, I'm curious, but also a bit anxious about what's going to happen the next days. I sincerely hope that the crisis brings out the best in most people and that come summer we can catch up all on all of the funny ones that we actually missed. Uh, the positive thing might be that there's finally an incentive for the schools to get comfortable using tools for remote learning. At the same time, it's a bit sad that everybody immediately sees the threat from coronavirus but not but then at the same time turn a blind eye to, to climate change. 
this is a bit incomprehensible. Uh, one thing that I can speak to is in my hometown, uh, I know that a lot of the local restaurants, so with schools canceled, a lot of parents are really worried about how they're going to feed their kids. And a lot of the local restaurants are serving, you know, bagged lunches or dinners um, for any, any kid in the neighborhood who needs to come in and get something to eat. Um, so that was kind of a positive. I know that some, like a lot of my coworkers have actually been talking about, uh, you know, especially because they're working from home, that this is like a good time for them to go out and adopt an animal. Um, so that's something that a lot of my coworkers have been talking about is fostering or adopting uh, because there's a lot of need for that right now and it's a really good time for them because they're able to stay home with an animal that's adjusting to their house. I think one thing that is nice about it is that life has to slow down and by spending time at home and not having the pressure to go out and do things, um, we can have better, nicer family time. We could spend time together and um, take care of our house and kind of take care of what's going on here instead of having those other distractions. I find my students have been extremely malleable during this time. Their flexibility, their kindness to each other, their patience is just really, really admirable. And it is an inspiration to me being able to watch them unfold and have a full understanding of what's going on, despite only being 10 years old. I give myself some meaning in order to bring a smile to their face every day, just to also give a sense of normalcy for them, but also for myself. I think it's been really impactful. And I'd say that that's really the silver lining from this is trying to learn and trying to move forward in understanding Though we don't have a lot of understanding, we need to still continue to have balance despite an imbalanced situation. It's uh, trying to find that balance somehow is definitely key. So continue to stay positive, look forward, um, and be in good health and be surrounded with love and kindness, and we can all get through this. And this, this will pass. It's going to take a while. It may take a couple of months. And in that couple of months, the new normal is going to, it's a little weird and it's going to continue to be a little weird, uh, but people will adapt. And then when things, when the, when it, when it settles down, um, then people will, um, you know, it'll all kind of normalize and there'll be a lot of pent up demand and things will change and we'll be back to traffic jams most of the day. <laughs> Instead of sitting in front of the television if you're not actually going to work, right? If you, if you're, or if you're working from home and in your off hours, go out and explore things, go do things, check stuff out. It may, it may change people's behavior, which would be really a welcome, a welcome development. Who knows? It may, there some real positive stuff may come out of this. Yeah. Those are some really great things that they pointed out. So this pandemic is not over yet, and we don't know how long it's going to last, which is kind of a scary thought. But I think we just have to know that there are people working hard around the clock to solve this issue. Yeah, I'm really grateful to medical professionals everywhere. Yeah, They are working so hard during this time, and we really depend on them so much right now. So we want to give them a big thank you. Yeah, I saw a video online of people all over Spain applauding all at the same time on their balconies. 
for the medical professionals in their country. And I think it's so great that people are showing their appreciation for them. Yeah, I think so too. I just talked with my mom a couple of hours ago and she said that also in Israel, when it was 6 p.m. today, a lot of people went out to their porch to clap their hands to the medical teams. Nice. That's so great. So everybody listen to medical professionals and do what they tell you to do. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Because even though we don't want to panic, we do need to take this seriously. Yeah. And don't forget to wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> so if you thought this was an interesting episode, we would really love to hear from you. You can leave comments on our Facebook page or on our Instagram. Uh, those are both at That's the Ticket Pod. And if you want to share what's happening in your neck of the woods or suggest a topic related to coronavirus that we could explore, send us an email. Our email address is that's the ticket pod at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, it's that's the ticket pod for both. Links to our social media and email are also in the show notes. Yeah, so please help us expand our global community by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And since we did everything on short notice within literally the last two days, if you're listening to this episode right after we published it, it's probably not on all of the podcast apps yet. But if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or an Android podcast platform, that means it's already been approved for those apps. So we'd love for you to subscribe so you get new episodes right away. Yeah, thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us recordings and took part in this project. Mm-hmm. We hope you were able to give some hope and spread some positivity during this stressful and isolating time. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more.